0: Adam Thielen, no longer one of us. Okay, he'll always be one of us. But he's gonna, he's going to take a little vacation. He's going to California. He's going to do the the uh, Minnesota thing, and he's going to go winter. In a warm weather climate, who can blame him for that? Let's get into the Thielen deal. Let's talk about Harrison Smith Cousins. We will get to Bud Grant because we haven't talked about him on this show yet. This is the Viking Update show with John Krasinski and Jim Suhan. Brandon Morton is our producer. Thanks for listening. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. TSR Injury Law and Star Bank, we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. So let's get right into Adam Thielen. That is the freshest news that we can talk about. He gets a three-year deal worth up to $25 million uh, to be a top receiver, to work with a team that has a good offensive line that's about to draft a quarterback number one overall. And uh he and he's gonna get at least $10 million this year. It's a pretty good deal, and I don't think anybody should begrudge him taking it. It's just a way better deal than he was going to get here.
1: Yeah, it was, Jim, and uh, you, uh, that was kind of – we we had discussed this in previous episodes trying to handicap what exactly Adam Thielen was going to do when you look at uh, his options out there and and just kind of his mindset. And it was clear that the Vikings were in a position where they wanted a lot – what uh, they needed to claw back a lot of salary cap room, and there were going to be some players who were amenable to kind of playing ball with the Vikings and giving and 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 maybe restructuring or taking pay cuts to to make that happen, and then there were going to be some people who weren't. And always, one of the things that was going to factor in to Adam Thielen's decision making process was what are his options on the open market, and you look at. Uh, a 32 year old receiver coming off of a, you know, a, a somewhat down season. And, and I think that there was reason to wonder what he was going to be able to command on the open market, but he, he was set to make this year for the Vikings right around 12 million, $11.8 million. And so he ended up going and and, and getting something with 14 million guaranteed. And, and so for me like that's a really good job by Adam by Adam's agent Blake Barretts by like ev- by everyone involved there um to get him to a place where he didn't have to take a pay cut and um and so a lot of times when we see players move on they will take pay cuts to take to go to a new team but not to stay with their existing team Adam didn't even have to take a pay cut at all and so in that respect from a financial perspective terrific option and you know who knows what what'll happen with Carolina from a competitive standpoint but he's going to a division that's imminently winnable and so um I I just think overall I, I I'm not surprised that he landed this deal but I think that this is about as as good of a deal from a financial perspective and from a role perspective that he could really hope to get at this stage of his career.
0: Oh, I, no doubt about it. And let's put his statistical performance. Of course, there are all kinds of uh, sentimental reasons for wanting to be around here and be part of this team. But let's look at the stats. He had about a 700-yard receiving year last year. Over 17 games, you know what that is? That's like 40, 42 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can place that with a second tight end. I mean, he just was not a, a statistical, uh, statistically important player on this team the way they ran their offense. Uh, he goes to Carolina. He might be the number one receiver. He might be the number two receiver. Uh, And maybe he's not going to play with somebody as polished as Kirk Cousins, but they are going to be balls in the air, and he's going to have a chance to catch a lot of them. So I think this is a slam dunk easy decision for him. I also think that the Vikings can probably do better than 700 yards at that position. Uh, whether it's KJ Osborne just taking it over, or whether it's spreading around to other people, I think I think this is a win-win for both sides. Uh, also, I saw it reported in my paper. It might be might have been reported elsewhere as well. I just that's where I saw it in the Star Tribune is that he he had asked for more input in game plans, and that's where I if I'm O'Connell or West Phillips or the. Or Quezzi or the Wilfs. That's where I say hard no. <laughs> you have an offensive <laughs> right. coordinator for a head coach. You have a really talented offensive coordinator as an offensive coordinator. You have a quarterback's coach. You have extra offensive coaches. You have quality control coaches. You have redundant coaches. And you have a quarterback and a number one receiver. You don't need – Adam. Adam's a smart player. You don't need another voice in that meeting room.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can, I I guess, I, could, I can see Adam Thielen just saying, "Hey, I've been here for a very long time. I've been a good soldier. I want, you know, I want a little bit more say, or at least a little bit more assurances that my role isn't going to be diminished further." Because there, one thing that we saw from Adam Thielen last season, uh, in all of my conversations with him, when there were many of them throughout the season, he played a big role in sort of helping usher Kevin O'Connell into the team. Uh, it was very clear that Adam Thielen was one of the players, maybe most disgruntled at the end of the Zimmer era. Um, very, maybe most unhappy with how things had gone and devolved and, and, and maybe the, the, the gap between the head coach and the locker room in terms of connectivity, con- connectivity and leadership and, all of those things. And at every turn last season, we heard Adam Thielen raving about the way that Kevin O'Connell and this coaching staff had worked to involve players, to reconnect and build rebuild bridges with the locker room um, to establish a new environment of, uh, you know, kind of camaraderie and, 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 and teamwork and, and everything. And, and so, um, I do think that Adam as a tenured veteran was very helpful in helping Kevin O'Connell establish that, which is what was which what was very needed. Now, by the end of the season, I also got a sense that Adam was expecting a bigger role in the offense and maybe wanted more targets and wanted more attention to come his way. And uh, whether that was the game plan that was going another way or whether that was because Adam wasn't able to gain the separation and win the matchups as often as he did earlier in his career. Maybe there's a combination of both there, but um, it, it doesn't surprise me that that Thielen was looking for that because he sees Justin Jefferson uh, kind of ascending the way that he has. He sees TJ Hawkinson come in and really establish himself as the clear-cut number two uh, option in the, in the passing game. And so I could, I can understand why he said, Hey, is, is there a place for me? Is there enough pie left for me to be satisfied from a competitive standpoint? And clearly the Vikings said, uh, Adam, we're moving on. And so in this way, he gets to go now to Carolina where he will be. Now that DJ Moore is gone from there, he will be the, the leader of that room. And I'm sure that, uh, the Panthers will welcome a veteran presence and, and welcome his ideas, um, on the offense, especially if you have a rookie quarterback in terms of a, a good vet who will help tutor that guy and bring him along and maybe give Adam a a bigger role in the offense. Like that's, that's great for him, uh, in Carolina, it just was unrealistic to happen here in Minnesota with all the other weapons that they have here.
0: Yeah. I mean, pretty rapid succession. He went from being a number one or co-number one receiver here to being a fourth option. Uh, you know, obviously Jefferson passed him and pretty much everything in the NFL. And then uh, they bring in Hawkinson. Hawkinson immediately became their number two receiver. K.J. Osborne is younger and just as productive and faster. Uh, you know, Adam might have been the fourth receiver here, and he might not have been a particularly productive fourth receiver. So, again, I think it made sense for the Vikings to move on. I think Adam did very well to get the deal he got. Uh, but we have so much we'll, – we'll get back to dealing with the offense. So much more news to get to today. Let's get to some of the other – Things going on. Once again, this is the Viking Update Show, part of talknorth.com. You can find all the shows and all the archives of the shows at talknorth.com. We have Russo LaPanta. We have uh, John Krasinski on the Timberwolves. We have uh, Joe Anderson, Mike Grimm, Dave Lee. uh, Tons of extra hockey stuff, including Bar Down Beauties. We have the Chin Music Show, which is a great show with uh, Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal. Tons of stuff. I can't even get to it all. Just check it out talknorth.com, including our outdoors content. We do appreciate it. We are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Scott here, your Aquarius Home Services radio guy. Question, what makes water good water? As your local authorized Kinetico dealer, we're here to help everyone know that good water is just water. What I mean is that other stuff that isn't supposed to be in water isn't in your water. Stuff like iron, dissolved rock, or contaminants that maybe aren't so good for you. Concerned about what's in your water? Whether it's city or well, schedule your free water analysis at KineticoMN.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. And as you've heard on other shows, uh, we are uh, proud to work with TSR Injury Law. We trust them. We like them. If you are ever injured, call 612 TSR Time. 612 TSR Time. They will not charge you unless they win your case, and they win a lot of cases. That's why they've gone, they've become one of Minnesota's best business success stories. 612 TSR Time. And if you're looking for a new bank, let me tell you that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps. And convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about Star Bank. Star Bank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at Star Bank and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check, convenient services. You've got it. Check out Star Bank for yourself for deposits and lending solutions. Work with a local community bank that cares. Starbank.net, member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Let's get to the Harrison Smith deal. I was on vacation last week, so we haven't caught up on all the news. And uh, this is a good place to be the clearinghouse for everything that has happened recently. Harrison Smith gets the deal done. I think, once again, I think there's a deal that makes sense for both sides. The Vikings get a good financial deal. They also get to keep a great player, a great Viking who I think still has something left and I think will benefit from the change of defensive coordinators.
1: Yeah, I I think that was the key, Jim. When you look at who they were going to keep and who they were going to say goodbye to they had to make the right decisions in terms of who can still play because this team is kind of in this transition period now where they've, as Quasio Duffelman says, put it, they want to have this competitive rebuild quote unquote. Um, But I do think that it feels like with a lot of the moves that have been made over the last, over this free agency period, it's, Trending a little more toward the rebuild than the competitive in terms of at least recognizing that, hey, maybe last year was as as good as it was and as um, as fun as it was and as you know, impressive and maybe even unexpected as it was. They understand that there is still a lot of work to be done. They are not one or two players away from going to uh, be in a Super Bowl contender. So they are kind of operating this offseason like a team that is needs to get really y- a lot younger and and a lot more dynamic and maybe take some lumps along the way while they do that well um it's clear that they recognize that harrison smith is still a player that has some real big plays left in him and i think he did have really good moments last season he also had a couple of moments where you look at and said ugh. uh that that doesn't look great at all but i it, it it by 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 doing what they did with Harrison Smith and by Harrison Smith agreeing to kind of go through the through the restructure that he did it, i think it shows that a, a smith really wants to be here he doesn't want to pick up and leave at this point in his career and the vikings believe that he still has some game left in him and that that transition from uh Donatel to Brian Flores Will be a big help for Harrison Smith's game. What you kind of heard through last season, and certainly uh, as we did the postmortems on what happened with this defense, I think that there's a there's a an impression that the Donatel system sort of took away a lot of Harrison Smith's creativity, a lot of his um, you know kind of ability to freelance and to kind of read and 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 act ex- instinctually and maybe not maximize just the the way that he anticipates things uh, at this stage of his career. Um, and so he was almost kind of put into a box that um, you know, may have been limiting to him. So I get the impression that Flores and his more aggressive approach is going to maybe let Harrison Smith off the leash a little bit more. Now we'll see if he can still keep up physically and all of those things. But uh, clearly this was a a player who is a might be in the Hall of Fame when his playing days are done. And I think that they really wanted to do everything they could to try and keep him around and maybe even through the end of his career and not see him play in another uniform.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very logical way to look at it. I, I just – I can't believe that he was put in the best position to succeed last year, and I'm guessing that Flores uh, – I, I think he and Flores will be good for each other. I think Flores will trust him, will put him in position to succeed. I think Harrison Smith is still capable of looking, making a, a defensive coach look good at this stage. And, and listen, in, in future weeks here, when we have slower news weeks, we are going to do some uh, – some, Really intense looks at the remake of this defense and how things are going to function and what this team has accomplished in the offseason. This week, we just have a lot of news to get to, so we're going to keep going down the list. Kirk Cousins uh, works with the, the Vikings to alter the nature of one of his bonuses to help with the salary cap. Uh, it's really kind of a no-lose deal. He doesn't lose any money, and he, he gets to help the team out. Uh, that's the way I look at it. Do you know any more about it?
1: yeah I mean, I guess like the the one thing that it will be interesting whenever we hear from kirk Cousins is i I think that what he really wants and wanted was a long term deal to stay here um i I you know from talking to people who know Kirk well, from listening to Kirk talk about what he wants uh out of his career and how he's felt uh about this organization and about certainly uh Kevin O'Connell and the new staff and and everything is like i I think that if if he could have waved a magic wand and just had exactly what he wanted, Kirk would have gotten a deal that would have kept him, you know, it basically ensured that he stayed in purple for another three to four years. And then by that time, he can start really looking at, does he want to play till he's 40 or does he want to kind of walk away eventually at the end of that contract? And the the, the Vikings did not give him that. What they did give him was the ability to control his own destiny the way that he has better than any other NFL player in the history of the NFL in terms of contracts, in terms of setting himself up for, for more and bigger paydays should everything go well. And so he's going to benefit financially provided there isn't some sort of you know catastrophic injury that he suffers. He's going to benefit greatly financially from the way that this is structured. So they didn't do wrong by him at all. The Vikings didn't. Um, by any means, this was a nice compromise, I think. But what I, I, I would be interested to see if Kirk is going to be completely honest and transparent about him wanting to say, hey, why didn't you just give me this longer-term deal so I can stay here and be here? Because I, say, I still think, Jim, that this, the way that this deal now is structured with the two void years at the end, um, I, it almost demands that the Vikings look at a quarterback in the draft at some point, and bring or bring have a plan for something beyond next season um, to to make happen at quarterback. Otherwise, there's a, a potential to be a real gap um, if Kirk Cousins finishes out his contract this next year and then goes somewhere else. And so um, that could bring bring a little tension into things. We'll see how they handle all of that, but. Um, but in the end, no one should shed a tear for Kirk Cousins. He's gonna he's he's making a lot of money. He will position himself to make even more money. But I think that in the end, I think he really wanted to just be here and just set down the roots and be be the guy here and be able to ride off into the sunset. But I don't think that's going to happen right now.
0: No, and there's some risk in letting this play out. But I also think there's logic in saying, okay, let's not overreact to Cousins right. playing well for one year and and really having some magic happen at the end of games, which I, I do give Cousins credit for. But also, you you know, it's it's a it could also be a one off. We don't know if there's going to be a regression to the mean in that regard. Also, a year from now, not only will you have had a you know a really good look at cousins in the second year of an offense uh with excellent receivers and excellent skill positions around him position players around him but also the the TV deals coming down the pike i think are going to raise the salary cap in a way that would make getting a new deal done with cousins much more simple so yeah it makes it it should it should make any everyone uneasy uh to not have a Guaranteed future at the quarterback position because we know what happens if you don't, but there is some logic in readdressing it next year.
1: Yeah, and and I think like that that is one element of it that maybe has been underplayed in terms of we saw what the Giants did with Daniel Jones and basically like, look, if, if you play just so well that we cannot afford not to keep you, we're going to sign you to a, a big deal after that. And so. I would have, I would anticipate that if Kirk Cousins has a a a season similar to last year and keeps coming through in the clutch and keeps making Justin Jefferson an all-world receiver and keeps benefiting from, you know, having Jefferson and Hawkinson and whoever else they add and and all of that um and raising the level of this offense and maybe you know then goes on and, and wins a playoff game or, or 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 you know kind of parlays all of the success last year from a team aspect and takes it a step further next season, then you can still just pay him. Um, it's just that I, it seems like the Vikings said, Hey, we don't have to pay you now. We could use a little bit more flexibility built into what we're doing to help us. And, um, if we get to a point where we we like quite literally have to pay you going forward, if you've just been that good, um, then we'll do that and and we'll try to do that. And so, uh, and given how what we know about Kirk Cousins you know, loving Minnesota and 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 wanting to be here, like I could see all of that working out in the long term realm. This does not have to be goodbye to Kirk Cousins, but I do think it is a a situation where the Vikings were like, we need to see just a little bit more here before we fully commit. And we want to leave our options open should that regression to the mean uh, happen.
0: Yes. I want to get the three more names, three more prominent names. The final will be Bud Grant. Uh, Dalvin Cook. uh, There was kind of a a semi-deadline on Friday where he was going to get a bonus if he's still on the roster. They still have him on the roster. Um, To me, this indicates that they really think that eventually they're going to be able to trade him someplace. And that's worth holding on to him right now. Yeah,
1: it it seems that way, Jim. Um, you know, they they signed Alexander Madison. Um, it to not not a big deal by any stretch of the imagination, but um but that was when when they did re-sign him, that really said to me that um that really could indicate that Dalvin Cook is is heading elsewhere because if you're Madison, wouldn't you be looking for for a more featured role somewhere else if you could find it? Um, maybe he's under the impression that, that he will get more touches and maybe even be the lead back, uh, this year. So he, so he ended up resigning with the Vikings and yes, yeah, so then it just gets down to money as well. Now. Yeah. Why, why, why would they have, um, paid that, uh, that, that bonus that, 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 that came in on Friday, it must be to just kind of keep their options open heading into the draft. Um, looking at other other situations, I still would be very surprised if Dalvin Cook is on this roster once we get through the draft and once all of the free agency is settled and you go into the offseason program. It just seems like his days here are numbered now, but who is going to be the team that steps up and comes to get him? That, that to me, is a, is a question, but uh, it just seems like the Vikings are trying to to hold on to their chips and, and see if they can get something for him of value before you know saying goodbye to him.
0: What are you thinking about Zadarius Smith at this point?
1: So that's another interesting one. They brought in Marcus Daven- Davenport, a a young uh defensive end, not certainly nowhere near as accomplished as Zadarius Smith. Um, but it has been interesting, Jim, because the the messaging from Zadarius Smith in in on social media and and everything else has been of i'm go i'm leaving i'm going i'm getting out of here but it doesn't seem like the vikings yet are are are, are really committing to that yet yeah, they i think that there are people within the building that probably would like to see zadaria smith come back especially if they don't get everything they want from a de- from a defensive line standpoint in the draft. If they don't, uh, if they don't address all of the, the depth at that position further, I know they like Zadarius Smith. I know that they were loving his production early on in the season and trying to find ways to kind of keep him healthy and, and, and impactful going down the stretch. But, um, That one's a little bit harder for me to read is is, you know, is like I think Zadarius is expecting to go somewhere else, um, expecting to land somewhere, maybe on a, a Super Bowl contender where he is kind of more of a situational pass rusher type. But so far, the Vikings don't seem to be agreeing to that. And I there could be some things that work out there that maybe maybe he does stick around.
0: There'll be nothing wrong with having three dynamic pass rushers on the same roster. You can do a lot with that.
1: For sure. Yeah, exactly. And um, especially, you know, when you add a guy like Davenport, um, does that reduce the the workload and the burden on Zadarius Smith? And can you keep him fresher uh throughout the, the the an entire season by limiting his snap count? Um I think that he became so important to what the vikings were doing just by because he was really productive early on while daniel hunter wasn't really kind of uh finding his sea legs that maybe it, he ran out of gas uh, as the as the season went on and you know that knee started acting up and um and stuff but if if they could get to a situation where they can afford it um and and you can kind of mix and match smith in there with with a, a healthy rotation, uh, at defensive end, that would maximize your ability to get the most out of Zadarius Smith. And maybe it makes it more enticing to keep him around.
0: Agreed. Now let's get to the, the biggest news you could possibly have in Vikingdom. Of course I was, again, I was on vacation last week. We didn't do a show last week, so we haven't talked about it yet. And I just wanted to, and listen, so many people have done wonderful tributes, to bud we're not going to break any new ground here i just want to say that uh you know i still remember coming to minnesota to cover the vikings in 1990 and bud was just sitting in an office just a little <laughs> spartan office down at the end of the hall at winter park and you know pumping gas at the company pump and hanging out in his flannel shirt and shooting the breeze and you know he had that he wanted to be the stern guy but he also had that twinkle in his eye. You know, he always he also, he really couldn't carry it off too much if he wasn't in football mode. And I just, the probably the story that always resonates with me when it comes to Bud Grant. And I listen, everybody else can tell you about the, the great coaching, and we all know what the record is. Uh, we all know what uh, his personality was like. We all know how tough he was. What I remember, I was talking to his son, Mike Grant, once, and he said, Yeah, we thought. You know, there was a time when it just felt like Bud was gonna go off into the woods and never be seen from never be seen or heard from again. That you know, like maybe after I think it was after his playing career, he just really wanted to get a rifle and a fishing pole and go live in a cabin and not interact with human beings and just live off the land the rest of his life. And obviously people talked him out and said, Hey, you could really have a nice coaching career. You can make a lot of money. You can, you can win a lot of games. You can really build a life this way. And they talked him into staying among the, uh, among the civilized, but there was a time when Bud might've just walked off and never, and we would not be having this conversation right now. Yeah. I
1: think like, I uh, you know, I, I read Dennis Anderson's great piece in the star Tribune, uh, on, on Sunday and, and obviously they, he's the great outdoors writer for the strip and, and had a, a, a wonderful friendship with Bud and, all sorts of fishing and hunting adventures with him and I think the way that he put it was you know he was a a hunter and a fisherman who happened to be a football coach and not the other way around and you know I think even back then where before the true explosion of professional sports and and the NFL in particular on society in general it still was marked by coaches who were control freaks who were lorded over franchises who were completely obsessed with the job at hand and consumed by it and when you hear stories about bud he was never consumed by it as good as he was as great as his teams were um as hard as they worked all of those things he had a perspective about what it was to be a football coach that was different and and that was unique. And it was funny because I think that there were contrasts with him, right? I mean, in, uh, in one respect, he had that, but then also he was uh, one of the guys who really lobbied for um, better contracts and better pay for players when he was a player um, that would go to the CFL because um, he didn't get what he thought he was worth um, in, you know, in, in the United States from a playing perspective, um, you know, then, you know, you you, you look at, he would, uh, you know, he obviously, he didn't let the, the the team have heaters on the sidelines at Matt at Met Stadium, they practiced outside. And it, so at, at, in some respects, she's like, man, this guy is a taskmaster. This guy um, is one of those Lombardi like you know, uh, hard asses. But then you talk to the Carl Ellers of the world and the Jim Marshalls and Paul Krauses, and they all say that he had such a humanity about him, that he had one of the shorter training camps um, uh, in the league, that he didn't, you know, really grind these guys to a pulp. Now, he was demanding and he was exacting and he was, you know, quietly domineering, but he also had fun on the job he he cracked jokes he um i think he made people feel comfortable and i think that um allowed him to do the uh more draconian things the the cold winter things and 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 demand more out of his players and respond to him because they knew that he was doing it out of their best interests and so um you know you, you you hear all of those stories and just like a true original a complete legend and the one thing like i obviously came along much after he was in you know in, in a, on the viking sideline and all that so i never was around him that way but you could always just feel his presence when he was in the room when he was watching a practice when he was kind of walking around that building um it was you just, that's bud. And, and there was such a reverence for him, um, that you, you couldn't help, but, but feel the energy change when he was present and around things. And, um, you know, they don't make him like him anymore. And, uh, that's uh, just, he's, he was, you know, he was one of a kind and, um, he will definitely, definitely be missed around here.
0: One more note on that. Uh, you know, I worked with Sid Hartman for decades and met, Uh, mythology was built up around Sid that contained a lot of, uh, lies (laughs) and and, and misconceptions. And, uh, there were a lot of things that people said about Sid that absolutely were not true. There are a lot of things Sid said about Sid that were absolutely not true. The one thing that Sid said that was self-aggrandizing, but was also 100% accurate was that he and Bud Grant were close friends Yes. And not just that, Sid got Bud through college. Bud was broke mm-hmm. in college. Sid made sure he had money for food. Sid would give him money to take his future wife to the movies. Uh, Sid took care of Bud. Bud never forgot it. Uh, they were they really did love each other. That part of the Sid mythology absolutely was true. And it's fascinating because Bud was, but you know, Bud, again, he tried to act like a gruff guy. He tried to act like somebody who was above that kind of stuff. He loved Sid Hartman. That that part is absolutely true.
1: Yeah, I mean, just the connection was was obvious. I mean, picking him to to induct him into the Hall of Fame and all of those other things were were amazing. And and one of the things that you that I noticed both both about Sid and about Bud that you know this is going to sound like I'm making fun and I'm not at all. Uh, you remember Jim when at Winter Park we used to be able to eat lunch there in the team cafeteria on wednesdays and um after the team had eaten we'd be able to come in and and have a meal there um at the end of those meals often you would see bud come into the cafeteria and grab whatever was the main course that day i mean at one time i saw a pork chop there's other time there's all sorts of different stuff and he'd put it in his satchel and he'd take it home And, um, I would look at that and at first I laughed at it, like how this this famous NFL coach, um, is coming in and he's putting pork chops in his satchel and heading home. But then like the more that you realize it and the more you talked about to people who lived through who came up as youth when they did through the ch- depression and and all of that is you just got an understanding for they understood scarcity and and they understood what it was like to really, really struggle and not be able to put food on the table and not um, you know, not be able to find everything you want in the grocery store. you know, during the pandemic and the supply chain issues, we started to see a little bit of an inconvenience that way or I can't find this or I can't find that back then it was there is nothing and and we and even if there is we don't have the money to pay for it and so th- that kind of image is always in my mind of this you know this man who as a boy came up through the hardest of you know most difficult circumstances and that never left him like i think that's part of the hunting and fishing as well it was yes it was entertainment and it was fun for him but it was also a means of getting extra food, of doing all sorts of, you know, uh, of of doing things to provide for his family. And and so that sort of worldview and that experience was just something that has always resonated with me about Bud. And and really Sid was what came up through that as well. So um, you know, just just a completely different time, completely different men for sure.
0: Thanks, John. Thanks to Brandon. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. We'll be back next week and it's the Vikings. There'll be more to talk about.